0: That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your daily pitching podcast from pitcherlist.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 8th. And yes, we are going to talk about baseball. It was such an exciting day of baseball yesterday. So many... Fun things happening. So many interesting pitchers going. Alec Manola, though, was a major story, going six innings, one and run, five hits, zero walks, and eight strikeouts, returning from his disaster of a season. We're talking 58 innings of an 8.36 ERA and a 190 whip, 17% strikeout rate, 15% walk rate across those 13 starts that he had before he was demoted after his June 5th outing in Houston. So we were wondering what is going to happen here. Are we going to see Alkmanov return back to former form? So this was, this was nice. This was really good, and we see them and go, oh, cool, he's fixed. No, no, no. Okay. So the biggest issues with Minot before were four seamers not getting whiffs. He got whiffs in this one. He was throwing it more upstairs. That's good. Sliders weren't really that dependable before. And what do you know? We have 83% strikes here with a good amount of whiffs on that too. The sinker's still a problem. and That really takes us back to 2022. We're in the second half of that. The sinker command was not getting inside to righties. I think it's a very bad pitch for him. And what do you know? He allowed five hits in this one. Four of them were off the sinker that were located. Um, middle is XM lock, right? That is XM you know horizontally in the x-axis middle so i uh, i think this is a good step forward for Manoa. there's still work to be done with that sinker and i don't know if we can depend on seven four seamer whiffs moving forward but good we can all exhale a little bit if you picked up Manoa just for this as a spec ad great we hold on to this 12 teamers he should be rostered at this point because hey alec Manoa could be really good there you go we even just saw the start of it and we've seen the track record over the last year and a half before the start of this year so pick up Manoa, and we will go from there in his next start whenever that is if it's a tough matchup we don't know yet because of the all-star break i i would not start him but if it's middling or below yeah we go for it are other pitchers from yesterday we have jameson tyone against the yankees eight innings of shutout ball As he commanded really well, I think he got a bit fortunate here, but good for him, man. Returning back to the Bronx after pitching for them uh, for two years, it's cool to see this. And uh, I I hope for him the best. Um, I don't think for fantasy this is the, the pickup you want to make right now. I'd wait a little bit longer as I don't know if we can trust the same command that he had yesterday. Aaron Savali went 70% cutters and curves. It's exactly what we want to see. And what do you know? Seven innings, zero and in runs, two hits, zero walks, and nine Ks against the Royals. A bit of blame it on the Royals here. But he did go only down with curveballs. Nothing else. Cutters, sinkers, four seamers, all upstairs. Well, the curveball was the only pitch down, and it was so good. Uh, over 30% CSW in both the uh, the force, sorry, the uh, the cutter and the curve. While the four seamer and sinker each made brief appearances for 40% CSW between them. It's exactly what you want from Aaron Savali against the Royals. Against tough teams, we don't go for it. Still, Luis Castillo against the Astros got the win, seven innings, zero in runs, five hits, zero walks, and three strikeouts. Just three strikeouts is weird, and I don't know why he's throwing more sinkers than four seamers. We know the four seamers elite pitch, and the sinker is not. What? I don't get it and I still hate that you want one for eight changeup whiffs and that used to be such an amazing offering and pains me every time but what do you know seven innings have shot a ball who cares <laughs> he did this against the Astros which was a little a little worrisome because the Astros they couldn't mess him up but nope everything's good zero walks too after walking a lot of guys recently so good stuff for Luis yes, to see uh, we have Brandon Ber- Bernardino opening for Nick Pavetta who in five innings two earned runs four hits one walk and eight strikeouts. Against the Athletics, I didn't really see anything that was too shocking. I mean, I love the fact that it was 11 for 11 slider strikes. That is cool. Don't get me wrong. He just threw a lot of heaters in the zone. And also the slider wasn't like super well commanded. And he had those high curveballs that we're used to by now from Pavetta, which we say, oh, okay, whatever, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to lean on Nick Pavetta. I just don't. Uh, Sadie Alcantara pitched against the Phillies. 6.2 innings, 1 earned run, 8 hits, 0 walks, 5Ks. Another good start from him. It's great to see that. I think there's still something to be done with his changeup insider slider command. It's not quite what we want it to be. There's so many moments watching this when I thought, oh, okay, just, just do the pitch that we want you to do, and you will soar in this. And it's kind of interesting, considering he went nearly 7 innings full, 95 pitches, so obviously he's executing, getting out still, and all of that. And yet I'm watching this and going, man, he could be better than this Uh, if he just had that change up down away as it should be against the lefty as opposed to kind of down middle inside the zone. There's a huge difference between that and uh, if he only had that, he can go on such an amazing stretch. And he had that before in the past and so close. But anyway, yep, so good here. Um, On the other side was Zach Wheeler, who wasn't as impressive. Six innings, 300 runs, seven hits, zero walks, seven Ks. It's really just two earned runs, but uh, the second inning was really dumb. You even had a double play come back to him, and it was pretty clean all the way through, and it didn't turn. Another run scored. It just It's annoying at times seeing Wheeler allow runs when it's like you're a really amazing pitcher, and it shouldn't be that way. But that is baseball. Okay, uh, Cole Irvin against the Twins. 6.1 innings, one and run, 3 hits, at 0 walks, and 4 Ks. Sorry I said that so fast. Essentially, Cole Irvin had a very good Toby start. If you streamed him, nicely done. We're very happy with it and really don't expect it much moving forward. Charlie Morton did wonderful things against the Rays. This might have been the best start I've seen all year, and it was only when he threw a few cutters, but the four-seamer with only 8% CSW was well-spotted. He didn't make mistakes down the zone with it. change showed up. I know, change-ups, but he threw those really good, well uh, down in arm side, and the curveball was fantastic as always. I mean, it was, it was really nice. 6.1 innings of one earned run, four hits, two walks, and six Ks against the Rays. With a win from Morton. Good stuff. Bailey Ober against the Orioles has had the Bailey special of six innings of one and run, seven base runners, and about a strikeout per inning. This is really cool to see this consistency from Bailey Ober as everyone else has been so volatile. Ober's just been kind of like, yeah, I throw high fastballs with a changeup that gets five whiffs down and a slider. Maybe that's good. It's it's cool. Tyler Glasnow against Atlanta. Honestly, it doesn't matter who he pitches against, he's going to do whatever he does. So it was 5.2 innings of one and run, two hits, one walk, and eight Ks, right? After struggling against poor teams, he does really well against Atlanta, but because it was against Morton, he didn't get the win here, got the loss instead. But yeah, I mean, I think we just start Glasnow regardless and understand that it's probably going to be good 80% of the time and bad 20% of the time, and that's just how it's going to be. Maybe 75-25, but still. Zach Gallin ace is going to ace against the Pirates, seven innings, one earned run, four hits, zero walks, five Ks. Kind of weird as he's going upstairs more with four seamers these days, and the low location... Um, That we normally see from the changeup and curveball weren't really there. And that's why you see 5Ks as opposed to something much better than that. Six whiffs only. Also to see 17 called strikes on uh, high four seamers. Kind of weird. Um, But it worked. It's the Pirates. Who cares? Blame it on them. Uh, And uh, we're happy with Zach Gallen. Uh, Cody Bradford had a really good outing. Against the uh, Washington Nationals, got the win, five innings, one run. This was for the Rangers, if you don't know Cody Bradford. But you can continue not really knowing Cody Bradford. It was a 1.2 whip, even in this good start, with just one strikeout and four whiffs as he throws an 89 mile per hour fastball and mediocre uh, changeups and sliders. So, yeah, you don't want to do this. And Jordan Montgomery, unfortunately, was pulled from his start with a hamstring injury, 4.1 innings, one run, three hits, one walk, five Ks. It's kind of interesting because the Cardinals were expecting to deal him at the deadline. And here we are. It's the beginning of, or the first week of um, actually entering the second week of July. So let's say he gets dealt, or let's say he goes on the IL with the hamstring injury. It's probably three to four weeks. So probably right at the deadline is when he's going to be healthy again. And honestly, if you think about it this way, the Cardinals could be benefiting from it as Montgomery doesn't have an opportunity to make worse the amazing stretch he's had now. He's locked it in, you know, and uh, now they deal him and He'll probably, I imagine he's going to go on the I. L with a hamstring injury. That would take like three weeks or so. Maybe not. Maybe he's good at, to go at the end of the All-Star break. I don't know. Monitor that situation. If he does go on the I.L., or if you really are in a situation where you have to get a start next weekend and Montgomery's going to be rested or something like that. You might want to exchange it. I don't think that uh you might want to make that swap off the waiver wire because Jordan Montgomery isn't really going to be the biggest impact play, I think, in the second half. He said this a really nice stretch, but This is also taking him out of rhythm, right? And I can't emphasize enough. When guys are on good stretches, it's because they're in a rhythm. They have a good feel for everything. And you delay things and you mess it up. It's very rare for them to just jump back where they were. All right, we're going to talk about everybody else today, uh, tomorrow, and, of course, yesterday's games after this break. Are you ready to step up to the plate and show off your fantasy baseball skills? Check out Underdog's Fantasy 7th Inning Stretch Tournament from now through July 14th, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $150,000 in total prizes. So what are you waiting for? Visit the link in the episode description and use promo code PITCHERLIST to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us in the seventh inning stretch tournament and experience the thrill of fantasy baseball like never before on Underdog. Good luck and may the best team win. Must be 18 year old or older, 19 year old or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncp. PGAMbling.org. in arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in new york call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY and in tennessee call 1-800-889-9789 corbin burns did well against the reds earned a win six innings 200 runs three hits four walks and six strikeouts this was more so cutter than i've seen than other starts that it was it was 67 percent cutter usage which is a lot even with burns And he's still going high cutters a little too often. He's not trying to. He's trying to keep it down. But that pitch is getting up a little bit more than I want to and want to see. And the secondaries aren't that great. And that's why you see four walks. But still, really good. We take this all day against the Reds from Corbin Burns. And uh, we just hope that he's a little bit more refined next time. Carlos Rodan returned. So great to see it. 5.1 innings of two and runs for its two walks. We will take all of that, especially in a still ill. Only two strikeouts is uh, disappointing in a loss. But we'll take the ratios here and call it a day. Um, Rodan was 95.5, which is the velocity they had all of last year. That was the average velocity for Rodan last year. So that's great. And I imagine, too, with more pitches, he only threw about 70 in this, that the velocity gets better, which sounds weird because normally you see like fewer pitches, higher velocity. But Rodan is someone that ramps up through starts. So generally, when he throws more pitches, he actually has a lot of velocity. It's really cool. Um, the sliders that he threw—he didn't throw too many. Were so well spotted, no mistakes in them. I generally see this also in a still start. You see guys that are so excited, so that the front shoulders open up, and they, uh, you know, they have wild pitches here and there. None on the slider, like zero. All of them super precise, down in glove side. Really amazing. Um, it's cool. I'm really excited about this. Obviously, it can be a better four seamer than we saw in this one. He made some mistakes on it. Uh, but uh, this is really good for Rodan. I think it's just going to get better for him in future starts. And If you've been waiting all year for this and you saw two strikeouts, you go, uh-oh, is he still like not good? No, Carlos Rodan is still really, really good. I imagine like next start could be the start that makes you go, oh, dang, it's five innings of one-and-run and eight strikeouts or something like that. Uh, I, I'm very excited about this. Justin Verlander against the Padres, six innings, two-and-runs, five hits, three walks in, two Ks. We've accepted that Verlander isn't a 30% strike rate, guy a strikeout rate guy but have we accepted that he maybe not at 25 percent? i don't know um as long as he gets his four seamer upstairs his slider command is really good right now so just do that and maybe verlander can be more than uh that 25 percent strikeout guy austin gomber did well for austin gomber world uh, six innings 200 runs five hits zero walks and one strikeout I'm going to butter my bread with this. I uh, got the win, though. That's cool. No one started him, and we're not going to start him moving forward. Ross Stripling went 3.2 innings against Rocky Road. Uh, two earned runs, four hits, zero walks, three Ks. Yeah, the changeup was the thing that made him really interesting last year, and he threw just 11 times for 18% CSW. So even if he does get stretched out past the 65 pitches that he threw here, we're not really going to chase it. You Darvish is so interesting to me. He has been ever since I started doing podcasts with Fast. I think he's the most talked about pitcher we've had on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, Darvish against the Mets returned from 14 days rest as he was dealing with an illness. Four, five innings, 300 runs, seven hits, three walks, and four Ks. Only nine whiffs, 26% CSW across 100 pitches. So once again, we have something new from him. He threw more curveballs than any other pitch. It was 22 hooks, and it was sub-50% strikes. That's not good. Look, the way I see it with Darvish is at some point, he's got to learn how to command his stuff. And I I find it so fascinating going through the whole list of like eight different pitch types. He essentially, to me, has okay, let's go through this. He has the curveball. Yes, that's a definitive one. He has a cutter. That's a definitive one. He has two different types of sliders a slow one that is, or like a slower one, and then a harder one. I think the slower one is really bad. I think the harder one is not the cutter. It's like 88 or so. That is actually a good one that he can command well. He has a sweeper that can be very good. Doesn't really command it well. This one, like he threw the sweeper in the middle of the zone. Um, Darvish then does have a splitter. He threw 13 of them for 10 strikes, which is really good. And then he has a four-seamer and a sinker. So there really is this massive separation of stuff. In my dream world of what Darvish does, I just need him to throw two pitches where he wants them to go. I don't know what those are. I imagine it's one of them is, a, is of the breaking balls. Is it the curveball? Because the curveball was looking good in the beginning, and then he lost it later. Maybe, I mean, even with the, com, the command of the ones he threw, it was just kind of like in the zone and not, you know, I guess bottom half of the zone, but not really like the prime gallon curveball or Savali so from today, right? Uh, the cutter can be that pitch, but I don't really know. I want to think one of these three sliders, that is the two, the slower one, the harder one, and then the sweeper, one of those actually becoming, okay, that is the pitch that I'm just going to rely on like 30% of the time, 35%. And then I want to see something else, maybe the cutter, maybe it's the four-seamer or sinker or something else that is just like, yes, I'm going to put it in this spot constantly. I don't believe this will happen. And I think we're just going to get kind of this chaos a lot. Now, at some point, something is going to click where he, I mean, I think last year he even went like three pitches a lot and it was really good for him. And I imagine it would be a lot better for you, Darvish, than the 487 ERA and the 127 whip we have seen right now, which makes him actually a very interesting buy low to me. Um, because I think a lot of managers are just done with it. And no, we have half the season left. And Darvish has very much done this before. We've actually been high on him in drafts because of how good his July and August have been in the past. So. I'm buying in. Also, the fact that this start was after the whole flu thing, or not the flu, the illness for two weeks. I'm buying in the second half of you, Darvish. Okay. Seth Long. Sorry, not Seth Long. Sam Long, who you think... Wait, isn't that a Giants guy? Yeah, no. He's he's part of Oakland now, I guess. Opened for them did terribly, and Luis Medina came in after for six innings of 4 and runs, seven hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts, which is kind of strange because Medina is a fastball slider guy without any of them being great, and we don't expect strikeouts. But the slider was great here. 52% CSW. 9 over 23 whiffs is really, really nice. It's just not going to stick around in all likelihood. So we don't really want to chase Luis Medina right now. But hey, maybe it keeps sticking and we can actually say something about it. And that's cool. Daniel Lynch, 6 innings, three and in runs, 6 hits, 1 walk, and 3 strikeouts against the Guardians. He did not go with a changeup. No, he went with a slider more. Yes, thank you. But the command of it is still really bad. It's like middle of the plate. Like, dead middle. One day... Daniel Lynch is going to go four seamers up, sliders actually down in glove side and changeups down in arm side. And if he can do that, there's legitimate potential here from Daniel Lynch. But asking someone to just have really good command all of a sudden is a very hard thing to do. And I'm not going to touch Daniel Lynch. Trevor Williams, absolutely not. Tony Gonsolin against the Angels got the win, but 6.2 innings, of four and run, seven hits, one walk, five Ks. This is the actual regression because he didn't pitch that differently from when he was doing really well. He's just he allowed two home runs. And there you go. That's it. I mean, really, that's what the takeaway should be here of Tony Gonsolin. Because, you know, those that want to say like, oh, he was so good before. Now he's just so bad. Like, no, no, no. He's pretty much the same pitcher. It's just this is how fortune actually works. So I think Tony Gonsolin's a Toby and that's fine. Uh, Griffin Canning against the Dodgers. 2.2 innings, four in runs, five hits, one walk and zero strikeouts. We weren't chasing this one because it was the Dodgers. But I'm really disappointed to see that Canning's secondary stuff didn't really work um i wouldn't really judge him too much for this one and uh, monitor the matchups moving forward for your 12 teamers and 15 teamers honestly i would be holding on to griffin canning for the second half rich hill has not been good for a bit and he didn't do well against the dimebacks with five 500 runs and four innings and we move on I uh, hunter brown dylan sees andrew abbott are all here as well and there's alex seven earned runs of 3.2 innings but yeah that was against the jason obviously not going to do that and don't care at all Um, let's go with Hunter Brown. Three innings of five earned runs, eight hits, three walks, and eight Ks. 17 whiffs for a gallows pole. What's so interesting about him to me is that he earned 10 whiffs on his four-seamer. And Hunter Brown doesn't really earn whiffs on his four-seamer. I mean, he kind of has recently. It's because he's trying to figure out his repertoire. And at one stage of it, he needs to figure out how to command a slider and curveball. It kind of reminds me of Tristan McKenzie in the way right now where slider is kind of all over the place. Sometimes the curveball is really good. Sometimes it's not. And the fastball is all over the place a bit. And that's Tristan McKenzie. Ta-da. But Hunter Brown could be a low called strike guy with the slider, and slider kind of in the zone and curveball um, underneath. He could also be a high four-seamer guy, but then sliders and curveballs down a lot. But the thing is, we haven't really seen him... Master either approach, and when he tries one or the other, that's just not refined. So I think Hunter Brown has the the arsenal to make this really work, absolutely. And it's Houston, which is a really good place to pitch, not only because of the defense and, and offense, but also because of the organization that will help him get to where he needs to be. So second half, Hunter Brown, I think, is also a really good buy low. I think he just gets better with time and refinement because oftentimes guys struggle when they just don't have the, not just the stuff, but also the execution. Um, And Hunter Brown has the, the stuff and actually has decent execution. It's just about game plan, I think, really with him. And that's actually the easiest one to tweak and figure out. Dylan Cease, I think, just got unlucky here. He got singled out uh, for 11 hits, five earned runs in six innings, zero walks in eight Ks. The slider was great. Um, The slider was way better than we saw the last three starts. 17 whiffs, 38% CSW, actually for a golden goal here. And uh, don't really grade him negatively here for the the starting against the Cardinals, but you kind of understand that you're going to keep going after Dylan Cease now. You're going to have the peaks and valleys. You're going to have the volatility. And that's just kind of how it is. And then there's Andrew Abbott. Yeah, so... I took so much flack for for ranking Andrew Abbott at 37 because I didn't recognize he was a 12 strikeout guy. But you guys, the listener, understood exactly where I was coming from. And I appreciate all of you reaching out. And uh, I'm i shocked by this one because the last start, I, I really gave Abbott praise because he was throwing four quality pitches there. Um, changeups and sliders were really good. Now their command, I watched all of it on the live stream, put it up on YouTube being like, guys, like, mm-mm. I was very casually watching this, but like, guys... This was the Brewers being really bad, or not the Brewers, the um, uh, Tigers, was it, in the last start? Whoever it was, yeah, they weren't doing well against Andrew Abbott, and they should have been much better. But uh, still, like, the changeup was a new thing, and that's really cool for Andrew Abbott. Well, yeah, so the slider and curve went two for 27 whiffs in this one. Um, the fastball got clobbered inside the zone, and it's not this magical pitch that can just get away from it with it uh, down the middle. No, nope, it can't. It's, it's not that good, and it got clobbered. And the 100% left on base rate that Andrew Abbott, Abbott had, yeah, that was obviously going to fall, and there you go. I'm a little surprised it was against the Brewers here, and uh, and the changeup was not nearly as good as it was in the last start. And I think we kind of need to recognize that Andrew Abbott isn't going to be this. He not going to be like a 10-base runner guy in six earned runs and stuff. But he's not, the, he's not the big ace of the year to me. Um, I think he's—I'm uh, trying to think of a good one that doesn't, like, startle everyone— Think Logan Allen, but actually like strike out upside that you can believe in. Does that make sense? Uh, it, it's it's good, but it's not desert, It's not like a demanding success from Andrew Abbott. So be careful, and especially concerning that his home park is Cincinnati. But yeah, we want to hold on to Andrew Abbott. This is not who he is. This is not the, the ratios that you're going to be getting from Andrew Abbott moving forward, right? It's just kind of how baseball works. All right, looking forward to today and tomorrow. I'm going to really talk about tomorrow because today is already ongoing because it's a weekend podcast and weekend podcasts are bonuses. I wasn't really supposed to be doing them at all this year, but I felt, you know what? I I just wanted to give this to you guys too, so I'm doing it. So, uh, today's starters, you kind of already know it. Um, I'm going to just talk about tomorrow because by the time you're listening to it, it's only going to really be pertinent. Um, so, tomorrow's starters are Joe Ryan, Aaron Nola, Max Scherzer, Joe Musgrove, Logan Webb, Jesus Lazardo, Lucas Giolito, Chris Bassett, Shane Bieber, and Logan Gilbert in that top tier. Logan Gilbert's at the bottom because it's the Astros, and Gilbert's been kind of weird lately. He did finally get swing strikes in the fastball last time, which is cool. Um, but everyone else, I mean, I think it's very straightforward here. Um, Probable start here is Zach Eflin, Domingo Herman, and Kyle Hendricks. Zach Eflin, what are you talking about? Well, it's because it's against Atlanta, and that's no fun. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, it's funny to me. I keep thinking, though. I keep getting Zach Eflin and Charlie Moore and completely confused, and I don't know why. Um, but uh, Zach Eflin against Atlanta is tough because he's been this consistent guy, but... Is it enough against Atlanta, who are just so good? I don't know. Uh, Domingo Herman against the Cubs should be fine. He's not the 4.1 innings guy that we saw last start. He's also not the perfect perfecto that he was against the Athletics. So, you start Her- Domingo Herman. curveball's still really good, right? Um, Kyle Hendricks is on the other side of that. You start him because you never know what you're going to get from the Yankee offense. And it's sinkers and change-ups that are being super well-commanded at the moment. Quest will start here. Dane Dunning, I know, has done well recently as he gets to Nationals, he's rostered in a ton of leagues. I don't love it. I think that Dane Dunning doesn't really do anything specifically very well. It's called strikes in the sinker and then the slider hopefully getting enough whiffs, but it's not really this massive whiff slider. So then you just have everything that is hoping for a good BABIP start, and I hate doing that. But it's the Nationals, so I guess this could work. Um, If you want to do it, go ahead, but I just don't really want to. JP Sears is underneath that against Boston. He is a whiff heavy guy, but he also goes in and out with sometimes uh, with that fastball. We don't really know if it's going to come through for him or not. Um, yeah, so I have to choose a streamer. And so it's JP Sears, but I don't really want to do it. Um, and also considering the most weeks are extended through Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next week because of the All-Star break. I don't really feel like this is a deper- desperate Sunday where I need to go and get JP Sears. Bryce Elder is going against the Rays, and like, Eflin, oh boy, you don't really want to do that, and even though Elder has been so good, you might want to consider benching him for this one. Tarek Scuba looked great in his opening start of the season, but it's the Jays, and he's also on a limited pitch count, so honestly, bench if you can there. Um, Brandon Bialak against the Mariners, maybe he has his changeup and that works, and Kyle Gibson gets the Twins, where you never know what you're going to get from Kyle Gibson. Do not start land. We have Zach Davies even against Pittsburgh. No. The changeup, even when it's good, is still not enough at times. And I just don't want to do it. Wade Miley against the Reds could work, but you don't need to do it. Just don't start him. His cutter and changeup were higher velocity last time, which is very interesting. But it's the Reds. The Reds are so hot right now. You don't want to do it. Kyle Freeland against the Giants. Absolutely not. Steven Matz is maybe starting again. I'm just curious to see what he does, but don't do it. Uh, Corbin um, Patrick Corbin against the uh, the Rangers, uh, of course not. Ben Lively against the Brewers, no. Um, Ryan Yarbrough against the Guardians, and yet I don't know what the Pirates are going to do against Arizona, but whoever it is, don't do it. And the Red Sox have a bullpen again, or maybe there's a bull guy. I don't know. It's against the Athletics. No thank you whatsoever. All right, that is it for today. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your Sunday. Um, and that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. I'm mean, your Baptist Below and your strike outside.